0: So, what's happening? It's been a while. I
1: know. It's been forever. I know. I was thinking about it. I'm like, I remember when we met when I was in Calgary. Yeah. Like, you were selling something out of Eau Claire. Maybe it was the Anthem Project.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And I was doing um, something in Dominican.
0: Wow. Wow.
1: That must have been...
0: a long time ago. Right? Yeah, that was... Pre
1: 20 years, maybe no, no, no,
0: no, (laughs) Okay. Crazy. That would have been 2006. So like 17. Okay. We
1: don't want to age ourselves. Oh,
0: totally. (laughs) It's hard not to. So what are you up to? I'm dying to hear. I've been teased with, uh, you know, Diana was saying that you're doing something kind of new, kind of in the same industry, but a different kind of take on it. Um, and I definitely want to hear about that. But before that, you are one of the great uh, female leaders in our industry. That a lot of Aww, people look up to as we nice. get on in years. Um, so tell people uh, how you got started in in the business originally.
1: Thank you. Um, are we, Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Nice to see you, man. Yum. Ooh, smokey. <laughs> Uh, I mean this, I've been in real estate since I was 18, maybe 17, started. Is your family a, was in it? Uh, my mom was a licensed realtor. Uh, probably when I was in junior high, she got there, um, business owner before that. But I started as a receptionist at my uncle's real estate office, which was awesome and hilarious. Realtors are amazing. And then from there, I kind of got to another brokerage, Coldwell Banker at the time in burnaby and the internet was kind of just a thing so i'm like late 90s probably and i had an opportunity to i was working admin like conveyancing doing all the office stuff and and then i noticed that each one of these realtors are so unique and they're just had their own personalities or like the areas that they farmed and uh websites were just becoming a thing so i kind of took on the role within the brokerage of branding realtors based on their personality the things they like and really giving them a persona um, to help them you know drive leads build business have a personality out there so i started doing the websites and branding them and that kind of got me on to the marketing side of things Um, even though i was licensed at 19 i just kind of was like okay this emotional process of home buying is just not my Not my thing, I'm not good at it. I can't deal with the, you know, the wife wants the kitchen and the husband wants the numbers to work. And at that time it just wasn't my thing, but there was this great opportunity with the technology and innovation that wasn't being kind of tapped into. And it was uh, something for the brokerage to offer new realtors coming in. So there's incentive, there's a marketing program that backs it. The brokerage invested in me learning more about that, which I'm so grateful for. Paul Prade was the managing broker at the time. And um, from there, you know, not to make a long story longer, but I got into commercial real estate. So it was at McDonald's commercial with Tony Letminchuk and team. Um, and then I got into real estate marketing. It became a thing. It wasn't, I think Bob Rennie was the only one really doing it at the time. And, um, This is early 2000s, living in Vancouver, renting in kits, paying a lot of money, loving the commercial brokerage side and just decided to move to Calgary, which is where we ran into each other before and then really got into the real estate marketing side of things there. So I've worked agency side, I've worked project marketing side, I've worked developer side. And, um, my path was always the pursuit of knowledge. Right? like I always wanted to get closer to the dirt. I wasn't trying to get closer to operations of a company. I just really love the real estate and I see how what we do has such greater impact than just selling condos. Um, so I really just, every step was just to learn more, get closer, you know, I understand the commercial side, I understand the residential side, I understand the development side, I understand marketing. Um, you know, marketing supports sales in all we do so, And then I understand the sales side, having marketed, um, managed sales teams and stuff. So I just love learning as much as possible. And then uh, a few years ago, so 2019 before the pandemic, I just was like, okay, I think I'm kind of done where I am. There's been a lot of impact here with working with the developer and I just didn't see a job that I wanted and was like okay well i'm just going to see if there's work out there if people need help or you know they need to bring someone in sometimes it's just a matter of extra bench strength or um you know have someone that represents the developer if they're working with a project marketing team we work so well together i get that side so i just got busy and then that's it there was no huge strategic plan where i had a mind map of like what my business is going to look like in 5 to 10 years i really just went out on a limb and was like, let's see if the phone rings. And um, luckily for relationships, which I tell everybody, foster your relationships, people matter. And that's been the bulk of the business that I've done has just been someone calling and saying, hey, I got your number from this friend and it's been great. So yeah.
0: Cool, so you're consulting. I'm
1: consulting, yeah, yeah, I'm consulting. That's That's a really long (laughs) winded way of saying I'm consulting.
0: Wow, consulting. Hey, let's get these new tables. I want to encourage more drinking. So can you slide out that new fancy table on the end? It slides out and then let's slide it over by a meet, Um, you know, right, right within arm's reach of her her left knee there. Yeah. Perfect. Let's test it out all the way over. Yeah. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. I don't want her to have to do a sit up to uh, reach her drink. Thank
1: you. Look Look, at that. Look at that.
0: It's working. It's working. So in 2019, you started consulting uh, out on your own. Out on my own. Not a care in the world.
1: Honestly, not a care in the world. Relationships
0: are paying off.
1: Relationships are amazing. And I, even at the time, and um, I still kind of struggle with it in transparency. Like what am I offering? Is it, you know, what's my elevator pitch? And you know, I get it, we're in sales. Yeah. I have to have a clear.
0: What's your brand? What do what you called?
1: Uh, the company, I just launched my website, Junction Co. So it's the Junction Collective. Cool. Junction is just for I find that there's a point where we all come together and really understand the positioning of a project and what it needs to do to perform. And uh, I like that part. That's my jam. I like it when we bring everyone to the table and we have a clear from a developer perspective, clear, objective project positioning, how it needs to be positioned within a market context, and then let every amazing Consultant and contributor add their layer, but I often found that that brief of it's who's your buyer? First time buyers, move downs, move ups, downsizer, upsizer. So it's like, okay, so it's for everybody. But how (laughs) do we like, what is the distinction here? What are you offering if you need to get a higher price price? Than um, then a the guy next to you, and what does that mean in terms of like tangible things that a project has? Yeah. So I like working through that stuff. I like I like uh, figuring all that out.
0: So do I. That's the challenge. Yeah, it's right? the best part. It's the hardest part. It's it, it is. It's aside from sometimes location, which is real, uh, the rest of it is is made up. It's a plan. It's a business totally. plan. It's boxes in the sky. You're you're talking about a community of people, the type of people, maybe adding value to the real estate that way. Um, You know other things whatever whatever you can do your job is to add it to the equation to add value to the real estate totally
1: and and make it um
0: that's your pink and purple website
1: yeah it's cool thanks man yeah really cool just having fun that's the other thing it's like can we just have some fun doing this yeah you know like (laughs) once you kind of get enough experience under your belt where you're like okay i understand this is serious we do big things. We're all very important people. Look at you, your glasses but like, on. But let's it's just so have smart. some fun and make it exciting. Like we're building cities. This is yeah. amazing stuff that has real impact. And uh, I find we can be very lackluster, take ourselves sometimes a little too seriously.
0: Well, let's get your phone ring and tell me about your ideal kind of client. Obviously, it's a real estate developer.
1: Yeah, real estate developer that. Um, wants to have impact in the market. I think everybody says that, but realistically some developers are commodity builders and it works for them and they have a program and that's awesome. Um, I feel like the timing in terms of everything we've been through in the last few years, there's such a significant societal shift in how people live, how people work. And the greatest tragedy in my opinion is just going back to what was, um, or going, Hey, it's business as usual. Let's get back to it. And like, there's no consideration for what we've learned, how people live, how people need to have access, um, especially in urban centers, you know, when things close down, um, you need some lifeline in the city to kind of keep things going. And I just feel like we have a really great opportunity to be responsive. Um, which again, real estate is like the slowest to shift pivot, um, be responsive to the market. And yet we sell to people all the time. So I like to advocate for that. And um, just a bunch of different, I mean, I've seen every different scenario in the last three years of the work that I've done. I work with developers that may have an internal team, but they may not have someone at the table that can work with the architect, interior design, creative agency, sales team, just to kind of advocate for what the developer uh, wants or just have someone at the table that can easily uh, collaborate with everyone. A lot of times the developers are great on the development side, but they don't quite understand the sales and marketing side or product development or why we make the decisions we make so that we can have, um, a better successful project. So there's been that scenario. There's been a scenario where it's, you know, a top tier developer, they have every department and they need some bench strength. Maybe their focuses are on other projects and other locations and I've come in and taken a look at where they're at, given my feedback. And if things need to change or evolve, then I kind of work with their team to do that. But I like working with everybody. I'm a, there's so much business. There's enough for everybody and I wanna collaborate with everyone. Cool. Yeah.
0: That sounds good, I agree. I think right? that, yeah, it's a huge industry. There's, um, yeah, may as well fill it with as many cool people as we can. Yeah,
1: you know, and as, I mean, I just, I learn, you know, I love collaborating with project marketing firms, cause like you learn, I mean, there's just no greater voice for like what's happening on the floor. You know, like what is, what are the realtors saying? What are the buyers saying? Are we, you know, what's been your experience? And I love all that. There's just so much to learn and I'm a sponge and I don't ever want to assume to know everything, but I have enough insight to poke holes and ask questions and challenge. I want to challenge things. Definitely.
0: Maybe he'll take over for uh, Diana McMeekin.
1: (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. That's a tall order. She's the only person I will, I refer to as the boss. She's the boss. She's my boss for sure. Yeah.
0: But she's not tall.
1: No, but she's she's mighty, Mighty. (laughs) mighty, mighty. Yeah.
0: Totally. The queen. So, how do you like consulting versus working, I guess, in house with a developer most recently? Yeah.
1: So, I mean, for me so far, I've just, seamlessly integrated with every team where I just position myself as an internal member, which is hilarious because sometimes I'm like getting server access and I have, you know, the company is opened up to me and I'm like, wow, this is trust. And I respect that so much. I'm grateful for it because, uh, I'm not trying to sit across the table from anyone. I really want to be on the team, part of the team, which has been what every engagement has been like. Um, and uh, that's awesome.
0: And how do you get paid? Is it a monthly fee?
1: Uh, I like to do projects like per project so that we have clear objectives. You know, uh, usually things are three months. A lot of what's happening right now is I get people saying, hey, you know, we've been working through this project for the last couple of years. We think we're confident about where we're at today. Have a look. Tell us what you think. Poke holes. Um, And, you know, that's been just sure. Send me your stuff, you know, and then. I'll take a look at it. I'm not going to charge anyone to look at anything. You know, it's confidential. I respect that. Um, but if I see that there's an opportunity like, Hey, maybe we can turn up the dial on that or, you know, your retail programming, you know, you got a lot of big spaces. This area doesn't need a grocery store. We need more small local businesses. Is there an opportunity to collaborate with the leasing team to, you know, realign this or get there, you know, brainstorm with them and find, uh, new ways to get a good pool of uh, mix there. So, and then it's per project, uh, give it a timeline, objectives. Um, I haven't really done hourly with many, it's, it's turns into scope of work. So, and I want to be involved. I don't really, I, I just don't like the idea of selling time. You know, it just feels kind of, uh, if I'm going to look at something for an hour or two, I'm not going to send you a bill. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I get that for sure.
1: And in some cases, you know, um, if it's a good fit, I'm, I am open to all opportunity. I'm a business person as well. And if I can get involved in the project on a percentage basis, or, you know, the fees are lower and there's more incentive at the end I'm invested. And, um, especially in long tempo programs, you know, these aren't fast sales. We're in a a market that requires a lot of one-to-one sales, as you know, and, um, Sometimes the salespeople just need a breath of fresh air coming through and going, hey, you know, like, let's just wrap and chat and tell me what your struggles are or where the challenges are. And let's see if we can talk through it. Right.
0: Yeah, I get it. And many cases, a developer wants to pay for results mm-hmm. as opposed to your opinion. You know,
1: I get it. Yeah, I'm all about accountability, totally. you know, and, and, and it has to be a good fit. I have to trust that, you know, what we're putting out there. And if I'm going to be invested in, on that level, like is your quality good? Are you going to build on time? You know, there's a lot more questions and more due diligence that's involved on both sides, but I'm open to it. I think it's great. Yeah. And when you're from sales and marketing, that's how you're used to getting, um, there's incentive, right?
0: Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. You're comfortable with it. Yeah. Higher risk, higher reward structure. maybe.
1: Totally. Uh, Not all, but where, where it, where it can work. I'm totally open to it.
0: Yeah. You've been in the industry so long what 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 do you think about it like what do you think we're at today I don't mean the market it is what it is today mm-hmm. and
1: uh not the first one we've seen I love a market correction Yeah I'm for it Is it Oh yeah cleansing Yes like an enema And it just makes everyone work harder Yeah I don't like the like the yeah it just you got to think you got to work a little harder I like a grind but not an unnecessary grind cuz some podcaster told you to get up at 5 a.m. You know, um, I, I like that we got to work a little harder, which means the real estate needs to be more thoughtful. It needs to be more holistic. It needs to be an ecosystem. It like we, there's just a lot of a lot more eyes on everything. The intent, yeah, of something.
0: You treat every lead so differently, hundred percent, than you do in a in a white hot market.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. On a white hot market, it's just. Sell fast, sell high, you know, I sit around with people and I'm, the conversation is, you know, if it's all about the circle jerk of, uh, how fast did you sell? How much did you sell? I got this PSF. I got that PSF. I'm bored, man. That's yeah. yeah, We know that real estate's that we're in a look where we live. Like it's, this is fantastic, but. What's the positive impact? Well, I'm the emotion, I'm an emotional person. I want to know that this is feel-good stuff and that it's really going to matter and we're adding to the skyline in a positive way. And if we do those things, then you're going to get the price. You're going to get the sale. But that stuff doesn't turn my crank necessarily.
0: So what opportunities do you see in our industry today?
1: Uh, I mean, I recently... I've been very frustrated with the city. I would say if I'm being, as a resident, um, I really appreciated your conversation with the architect. I forget his, that did. Arnold, Arno. After, Arno. I, every word he said, I was like, yes, yes, I agree. I agree. Um, I'm constantly getting on planes to go to other cities to get a urban experience. And I feel like we're lacking in that. We lack culture. Um, My business is positioned around people, place, and culture. Those are the things I care about. I think we should all care about that. Um, I find that we lack an identity. You know, we don't, I go to Toronto all the time. Toronto has this like sick culture where they rep their city so hard and you see it coming like wherever you go. It's just this life. What do you see? What do I see? Yeah, do
0: you, you see yeah, people wearing like Jay's shirts or like- Yeah,
1: I mean, I, go to Ra- I was just at a Raptors game on Friday. It's yeah. the best show on earth. It like is. when That's you pretty see, good. you know, I, I was think again, my emotional side, you see the hype people, the dancers, the crowd, the people that get the crowd going, the people that work in concession, like the whole production of what it takes to pull that amazing experience off is so impressive. And then you think like all that was gone for so long. And we need these people because this is, I, I went to a basketball game with friends that don't even follow basketball, but they were more concerned. Like I got to make sure I have my swagger on. This is a Raptors <laughs> game. What sneakers am I wearing? Like what the music is going to be lit. Like that's, yeah. and there's all ages and you know, Toronto is a city of true diversity. It's the most diverse city in the world, I believe. Um, and you see it. You know, it's not uh siloed. I would say we tend to be more siloed here. As people? As people. Yeah. Uh, it's not as, it hasn't quite, you know, we're teenagers, right? Like the city is still kind of young. Interesting. In figuring out its identity. And um, I feel like through the work we do, we should be relying a lot more on some cultural partners and people that have cultural influence over the city you know, bringing them in to have a voice, they have an audience that we may not have, and just to activate it a lot more. It's just is, we've built a lot, but if we're being honest with ourselves, especially people that have been in the business like us for, you know, we're we're grown folk now. And if we look back, I hope we can be honest in where we fell short, um, where we know we've done well, but where we've fallen short to put time and energy towards that and to me that's activation of the streets a good mix of retail which is where culture happens restaurants retail smaller and more independent um we're getting there but there's still like you know i see a new project coming up or it's being nearing completion and it's like if i see a bank and a pizza joint like um and then it's a financial institution, a jug of juice. Like, you know that the leasing team is like, the financials are there. We know that they can pay what we want and it's a done deal. But I feel like there's an opportunity to work a little bit more to get some culture happening on the street, which will pay off for the residents. You know, I, they, they appreciate that.
0: I feel the same way. You know, just yesterday I was walking down uh, East Cordova Mm -hmm. To get my hair cut and I was walking past retail and it wasn't a proper retail use. It was an office use of a retail space. And it made me angry. Totally. I looked in and I gave them the dirtiest look. <laughs> I thought, What are you doing here? Like this space should be like open to the public. This should be engaging and interesting. That's kind of the point of it. Totally. I'm idealistic. But I see it the same way as you it must feel so good for a developer to develop a, uh, a mixed use development and really dial the retail in a way where they visit it after completion anonymously and and see it thriving, seeing the totally. being used and the people interaction and, and friendship starting and the energy. Yes. Must be awesome.
1: It is. And like, even as a resident, you know, when I, like as a per, as a human, um, you know, you go into a local coffee shop or, you know, living somewhere now, I'm a condo liver. I live in condos. I'm a city dweller. I live in Chinatown. I lived in Yaletown before that. Uh, I am all about, I want to support, you know, I want to buy my groceries local. I want to go to the coffee shop because, and also I just don't want to travel. Like, I don't want to go anywhere. like for what that's ridiculous. Um, and I just don't, I, I just hope we can get there. Uh, I recently did a contributed on a mixed use project in Surrey. And when we first looked at it, it was typical, like big, you know, the retail, you know, the restaurant is like massive, right? Like one operator. It's like, that's just not feasible right now with where we're at. Like nobody wants to take on a massive undertaking. And how
0: big, how, how many square oh, feet? I'm
1: trying to think. I don't, I don't want, I don't want to screw it up. Two levels, like just like a craft, right? Like yeah. the one in uh, Olympic village, like it's massive. Huge. Right? Totally. Five-year leases, massive, massive spaces. And it's like, no, we need variety here. Got to be able to break this down, like just to eat from risk mitigation perspective, right? Like get some smaller operators, get a sneaker shop in here, get a coffee shop, get a Japanese whiskey bar or a wine bar or a lunch spot, a dinner spot, like whatever people can do within a 24 hour cycle to like service their life. That's what they need.
0: Yeah. I have a neighbor from Toronto who tells me all the time how much it sucks here compared, you know, the, the sort of the. People just go to work and they go home
1: mm-hmm. they go to Work
0: and they mm-hmm. go home? But what do you think that is? I mean, they're we're all Canadians. I know Toronto, yeah. has a, anyone who claims that the nightlife is comparable or anything like that just hasn't, hasn't been because it is way, way better in Toronto without a doubt, but it can't be just because it's bigger.
1: No, so, that's what I, sorry, I just cut you off. No, I had no. nothing more to say. Yeah. So, I, well, what I, is I was the just, I was, so I just got back from New York and Toronto Monday night. And I was thinking about that when I was in both spots is walking around. And again, it's a Monday night. Like I'm not, I'm not going to clubs. Like, I don't know about that world. Right. Like, I I don't know, but I go for dinners. I'm on a Monday night going for dinner. And it's like the restaurants are packed and it's all ages. Part of me feels that when you have a, you know, for Toronto, it's really normal to be born and raised downtown or have your parents live in the city. It's not the, have a home, you Super. know, we are very ground oriented here. Mm. That's where the NIMBYs are too, you know, like get off my land stuff, right? Because they don't want to go vertical. We're very used to the dream is the front yard, backyard, single family. And so uh, people who are getting out of their homes and living downtown, that's new to them. Right. They're not used to it. It's not a culture that they, you know, maybe they came into town to go to a show and go for dinner and now they live downtown. So I just don't feel like it's part of our DNA um, as a city where it's had a full life of, or a couple generations of people living in urban centers. Um, But I hope we get there. And I also, I was thinking about, tell me what you think. So always walking around and I noticed, I'm like, you know, when you think about like how much we built up Yale town, how much resident, I mean, Vancouver is probably for a time was one of the few cities where the downtown is more residential than it is business. Most of the residentials are residential. There's not mixed use. So retail is kind of half ass, like half in, half out. Um, There's a lobby, there's the tower and it's residential, right? Like if I was walking down Richard's, Seymour, um, maybe you get a Starbucks. So that the ratio of two um kind of coming together at the same time didn't happen. And now we're kind of playing catch up to that, or we feel the need, or we see the gaps, or we see where, you know, oh yeah, we really don't have like sometimes it's like a Thursday night and it's nine o'clock and I'm walking around the city and I'm like, holy shit, it's like dead. so weird, you know, like we're in a city and it's just quiet.
0: Well, it comes down to having enough people to support the retail, whether the retail is in the building or not. I like that a lot. Um, Diana, we were just chatting the other day about what a foreign idea that was in 1975 when she started this industry in Toronto and uh, we're selling uh, leased condos over retail, which was a new concept. And now Mm -hmm. it's very, very common. Mm -hmm. But back then it was a bizarre idea. So whether the homes are directly over top of the retail or there's there's a lot of uh, homes next door that are supporting the retail, it all comes down to just having enough people. Yeah. And the downtown vibe is a little bit dead compared to Toronto, uh, but so much better than a place like Calgary, which doesn't have enough residential downtown. Yeah. So it, yeah. at five o'clock, so to speak, it just empties out. Everyone just bails out to the suburbs. So maybe that's part of the reason why we're different than Toronto. And I agree with what you said about the cultural thing about people in Toronto, in some cases grew up, you know, Mm. going out after work, living downtown, you know, they were raised there. So to them, it's totally normal and they're just, just totally into it. Um, On the other end of the extreme is, is a place like Calgary, which is very, uh, I mean, they have definitely have a, a party and a vibrant culture in many ways, but very, very ground oriented, Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and even downtown, there aren't very many condos and it's Deadsville at five. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're in the middle.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I mean, look at this is what I was going to say is the we rely on the natural beauty so much. It's there. It's the most accessible thing to us. I think we all appreciate, it, especially over pandemic being here. I, I'll I'll be honest, because I'm kind of always one foot in, one foot out living in Vancouver. Cause I get frustrated, but, um, no greater place in the world to be when there's nowhere to go. And, you know, you want to get out is like, look at where we have to walk and to experience and be in a park and several parks, um, li- living in the city or living close by, whatever, we're surrounded by nature. It's amazing. But, but, how much can we just rely on that? Right. And I feel like we've really leaned into that. Um, but there's a way to be a city and offer the amenities of a city while also the bonus and the draw of the natural beauty fresh water mountains clean air you can't beat it but
0: <laughs> but why does it doesn't mean you have to it go can't be fun? doing all the
1: work <laughs> yeah. it, that can't be doing all the work
0: totally you know? we, yeah I I think it's you know there's this idea called no fun city
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, which I hate. I think it's yeah. terrible, uh, and and we should be fun. We should have fun. Um, I wonder if part of it is though the natural beauty and the sort of outdoors yeah. type sort of culture that we have, and um, and it's less about. I think about other cities with you know thriving party cultures, after work cultures, um, like London, for example. Everyone's get wasted at five. <laughs> um, same with uh, Tokyo, Hong Kong business dinner wasted. It's like Mm -hmm. a normal Mm -hmm. thing on a Monday night. Um, But in a place like this, you got a lot of other options, you know, which is
1: amazing. Even from listen, like not everybody should be defaulting to pounding 50 pints at the end of a workday. That sounds horrible. And it sounds self harming, you know, like I, I, yeah, I think it's like, you know, in the pursuit of being, having all this, we are programmed to be healthy and, we hit, we're outward. We're not inward. You know, we don't look within our people to make it as a group, as a society. We go outwards yeah. to, our, to the elements. Yeah. Um,
0: it sounds awesome though. Like in places like London and to a lesser degree Toronto, um, but especially in places like London, when you're, when you're walking through downtown, you're like, what is happening right now? And you as a tourist, you just maybe whatever you just look at the clock and realize it's like, it's the after work crowd is four or five, six o'clock. And people are literally physically spilling off of patios yeah, and yeah. holding pints, and uh, you know it. It sounds awesome, and the energy is awesome. And it sounds like culture. You it know, is culture. It's, cult, it's yeah. people exchanging I mean, ideas. So and culture, complaining is belonging. And, yeah,
1: right. Like a feeling of belonging. Yeah. And when you don't have that among people, and listen, these are broad stroke statements. Like, don't anybody come for me. I'm not. This is not black and white. There's so. It's a very layered situation right but um if if there isn't a draw to bring people together a communal easy way to do that we just don't do we have we have zero pub culture here it, it's very surprising to me because that's like such a canadiana thing isn't it I think um, so and i i we just don't we just don't have it the way other cities do and you know I don't, we're one of a kind you can't really compare apples to apples blah 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 but Um, I would like to see us improve on the having a reason to bring people together effortlessly um, with purpose, with intent. I feel like there's, I have a whole camera roll on my camera where I'm walking around the city and I see like these, you know, like the shitty kind of hack job that they've done on some public areas where they'll throw some wooden benches and some ugly planters that don't have plants in them. And, it's like, this isn't really activation. This is just like...
0: Who did that? It's like a city?
1: City of Vancouver. Program. Yeah, city of Vancouver. It's it's in a few spots. Um, and i just sitting there and I'm like, okay, so if we actually put plants in these planters, changed up the seating, Friday night from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m., there's a little DJ spinning here. There's a brekka coffee right here. There's already lineups of people. Like, we can do these little things that start to make things a little bit more exciting than just walking and looking at the beauty. You know, there's the train station. I have a long list for Ken Sims. So I'm coming. <laughs> there's the main street sky train station. So I got rid of my car because I didn't want to commit to gas and I didn't have the foresight to get, book an electric so now i'm like free of wheels and just hitting the streets and i love it evil thank you it's amazing so i got off at the sky train station at main street and it was kind of evening and so now there's the park there in front of the train station which this train station's beautiful the park is gorgeous of course it needs some work it is a transitioning it's that area needs our help and support but it's pitch black and i'm like Okay, uplight these trees, get some light. I'm a woman, I'm constantly aware of my surroundings. Now I have to go to the other side of the platform, get off at Main Street and walk on that side where it would have been lovely to peruse through this park. There's so many beautiful trees, simple things like that, right? Like brighten it up, make it safe. We have tons of zones that aren't quite activated. From the development side, I see that the intention can be there. Like this is a public realm and it's going to be great. And, you know, a place where people are going to come and then it gets built and it's like concrete, some lights, it's like, ain't nobody chilling here. There's no reason. Mm -hmm. And those are missed opportunities, right? Like, you
0: know, what's really good at that part of it is West Bank. Mm. You know, sometimes people, um, you know, Rag on them a little bit. and uh, But I was walking through Gastown this week and I was really taking a close look at, you know, the Woodward's redevelopment Mm -hmm. and uh, the thought and design that went into that and the spaces that they created that are exactly what you're talking about, where they're very, very active. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of them are pretty far out there, like putting a basketball hoop there. And it's always in use. Yeah. Always. In front of everybody. And um, Then I was walking along... Uh, maybe it was Cordova and uh, I saw a new development they were doing where they had um, pre-programmed a live event, a live music event space, um, which is hard to do because again, no fun city vibes, but they got it through and then they had predetermined and these were available for lease, but there were several spots that were uh, sort of predetermined to be designated creative spaces, whether they were live work or, or just designed to be, um, creative-oriented retail. I just I love all that stuff. I love it. And they created this really wide entrance, which was temporary, temporarily blockaded off while it was the spaces were vacant, which is perfectly safe and appropriate thing to do. But I could imagine those gates coming up and this beautiful wide courtyard opening up all the way through to Blood Alley and just activating these this previously dingy kind of terrible mm. terrible areas and uh, making it amazing. I love that kind of stuff.
1: I love that stuff and where I get concerned is that the intent is there and then who is executing on this? How is it been like how does it come to life? Cuz I I feel like a lot of times like West Bank culturally they're so they really really lean into the culture capital which I respect and admire um and this isn't on them i'm just making a general statement because i know in the boardroom we're having the conversations where i'm like so we have all these amazing ideas but like who's going to manage this is it the developer are we contracting it out is it in the budget i don't see it in the budget if it's not in the budget it's not happening um property management companies that are more relevant and service oriented which is what our residents need so I love the ideas and I like to, I'm happy that it's making its way through the process of development. Um, I I just, you know, I hope that it can be activated and executed on properly.
0: Me too. It, it looked like they were doing it. And what my mind went to um, the price they were paying because, you know, in this, with the vacancy in the commercial market, retail and office, the way it is um, my mind went to, you know, by designating it, uh, like creative space they've eliminated 90% of the market right so the remaining 10% are maybe extra attracted to it but they're not it's not the strongest segment mm-hmm. so they're going to take it's going to take longer to lease that up curate it and yeah. the rents will not be as much as they could be as with um you know just a regular tenant willing to just pay a premium to be there so i guess that's the execution is uh is a developer that's just willing to pay mm-hmm. in order to um you know, see it through all the way, you know, even if it takes longer to lease at the end of the day, it'll be what they originally intended or promised. Yeah. And, and it should be, it should be awesome.
1: Yeah. I think that's the the case on the, um, you know, mixed use projects and the retail, you know, if, if we can get consensus that the retail really matters and that the, the public and the residents act like genuinely want to know what the intent is, you know, it's, takes longer to work with independent businesses, local businesses, you know, if there was a mom and pop shop that everybody loved and that have been in the community forever and they're being pushed out, like we should be adv- advocating for them to come back and make a home for them and and that's like good community building, right? Like we understand what is what this place is and what's been happening here and what's important. That cost like the the hit on the what the premium lease could be has to be worth good, you know, good PR, good community citizen, um, and trying to make a more authentic mix of things, right? Like there's got there's a hit somewhere, someone's taking the hit and it's gonna be the developer, but the consensus from development retail partners, like everybody kind of has to be on board with that. Mm. Which we're seeing a lot I'm seeing it in I'm seeing it in conversations for sure, you
0: mm. know. What's the ultimate design in mixed use? Like what is the ultimate retail use? I mean, you said the big box stuff isn't great. You know, it's not uh it's a destination thing, which causes people to drive there and then you have parking issues and maybe it's an attractor of people. Uh, but it seems like you prefer a small mix of retail.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, if there's no grocery store within the vicinity, that's a no brainer, right? Like people need to be able to to go to the grocery store. So if you can fit a, you know, fresh street or whatever it is. Okay, great. If it makes sense. So aside from that, um, yeah, I feel like, you know, that's the great thing about Toronto too. The street retail is unreal, but it's all a small mix of, you know, first it has to be purposeful. So is this something that is going to service the people that are coming to the area? Is this something that, you know, is it a coffee shop? Is it a pharmacy? Is it a vitamin place? If we're advocating for wellness, you know, how are those, um, that type of retail working with the, um, with the project as a whole. So yeah, I like smaller, I like local, I like, you know, interesting things that we haven't seen. The other thing that the city is really bad, Vancouver, not the city of Vancouver is that let's say there's three or four restaurants or food places that have done well in one location, they're all of a sudden they're everywhere. The same ones, right? So whether you're in Olympic village or you're in kits or you're downtown, those three players are kind of everywhere. And now we're just more homogenous, right? Like nothing really standing out.
0: Do you know what a haberdashery is? Yeah. Nick, look this up so I don't screw it up, but I will screw it up in the meantime. I think it's a it's a place where everyone within a couple few blocks could walk to to get pretty much what they need. And that is, um, uh, you know, a cup of coffee, a croissant, might be paper towel,
1: mm-hmm.
0: could be a bit of groceries. But it turns into, um, oh, there it is. In British English, a haberdasher is a business or person who sells small articles for sewing, dressmaking, and knitting, such as buttons, ribbons, and zippers. In the U.S. term refers to Oh, that is just so far off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Why don't the you wrong... tell us your definition yeah, of the
0: word? <laughs> I've been saying the wrong word for years. Anyway, what I thought I love it was... that no one's
1: been on to caught on to. They're like, damn, he uses big words.
0: Well, if you say it the right way, just don't question.
1: Confidence you. is everything. Yeah.
0: Anyways, what I think a haberdashery, what I used to think it was, was a place where you could where the community would come to grab a coffee, mm-hmm. grab some kind of needed supplies. And, um, you know, you'd bump into a neighbor and they turn into these really great kind of community things. And I've, I've thought it would be like the most attractive thing that you could do to bring in, um, you know, the people that live upstairs, the Uh people live next door, the, the, just a way of creating these communities in these buildings that we kind of design and, Uh and market and sell. And if there's someone out there that agrees with me, let me know because I would love to help Same. get that business into so many of these uh, buildings because they come preloaded with all these people living upstairs and next door and all around. And, and I think they would do extremely well. Um, and I think there's a need for it. I agree. And it's not, uh, when I describe it, it kind of sounds like corner store, like 7-Eleven. You can get a lot of good stuff. Well,
1: let's look at the Asian model of the corner store, a convenience store, right? Have you been to Seoul?
0: uh seoul korea Yeah, no, south Korea.
1: okay you no. have to go to seoul south korea it's the most inspiring city in the world okay it is the architecture design public realm retail it's just on 1000 in terms of just really well executed so convenience stores in japan uh south korea that i that i know of you can get a fantastic meal it's not ship food nuked you know like our convenience stores are not the best the translation now is the grab and go right so the foxtrot in i think it's in chicago the chain is foxtrot markets so there's some convenience to it you can actually get a salad you can get a coffee you can buy a bottle of wine you can get the pasta you can buy flowers advil there's just it's a grab and go but it has a vibe to it you can sit there and work you can so it's translated for you know our culture here and It's amazing, you know, so you, if you're just coming and going, there's something there for you. If you want to chill for a bit, if you need to get your necessities, it's just all there and it's not overly programmed. It's just easy, convenient and welcoming. That sounds cool. It's like the five minute city, the 10 minute city, like having everything within reach, right?
0: Yeah. Bodega. You think I got my cool sounding words mixed up. Oh yeah. thinking of bodega, I got that mixed up. Yeah, that is what I'm talking about. A bodega is this place where you can grab a coffee, yeah. bottle of wine.
1: New York has amazing bodegas. You can get your weed there now, too, now that it's legal.
0: Oh, it's a necessity.
1: <laughs> New York City.
0: You know who kind of... Dale Boza did something like this on uh, Main Street. Oh, the, Delina. Yeah, is that what it's called? I yeah, think so.
1: Boza Properties? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Delina. And they have it in their rental building on Broadway?
0: yeah. I don't know how it's going. I mean, it's beautiful and they have really cool stuff. Yeah. Um, but I think the one that's in our neighborhood here, you know, it might not do as well as uh, one in a sort of more, you know, upper class neighborhood would. You know, this one is Gastown, Chinatown kind of vibes and uh, for what they charge for coffee and some sort of fine Italian foods that you'd find on those shelves. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. That they're uh, just crushing it. But,
1: but that's the model, right? Like, like that's awesome the, in- model. it's the intent that... Um, like a, matchstick, map stick, but with some provisions and not like bougie, you know, I mean, it's nice to have nice things, but sometimes you just need like, you just want to grab shit. Like, I don't really want to get fussy about this. I just, you know, um, just be able to grab and go, that's Mm -hmm. it. And with some sort of quality and not just being a circle. K.
0: Yeah, totally. So that's part of it. What else can we do to, um, improve culture?
1: Um,
0: tribe is working on
1: genuine it. tribe,
0: tribe, yeah, you know, the, the property managers. Oh, th- oh yeah. They have a tech focus to property management and they, um, they are,
1: I need to connect with them.
0: Yeah. Their mission is to create communities. It came mm-hmm. through, uh, Joseph Nakla's experience growing up in a religious minority and, and how much he, uh, craved community. And um, he felt like an outsider growing mm-hmm. up. He found soccer believe. and he found some things that made him feel like belonging. And it's been this sort of this driving force in life. And now this company isn't doing just rental management, but they're taking this tech forward approach to um, creating community. And it starts with like, how do we share the amenities? How do, 100%. We, how do we how do we group together our buying power to, you know, use the same dog walker or really? dry cleaner or or or?
1: Well, and as you know, service for residents is like the biggest amenity. They want service on demand and having the ability to provide that is amazing. We can talk about it, but then I'm, again, I'm the one and going, who's going to do it? Like the typical property management companies barely got their portals together. They're, they're bad at getting their portals together. Like we were horrible in getting a CRM together. That took us 10 years, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but true, yeah. who's going to, you know, who champions that and where's the tech. And uh, I find we're a little slow to get on with that stuff, but I, I want to meet this person. I'm, and I love the way that, is it he or she, or they, he, he, the positioning is really like the heart of it is to amplify culture in, a, in an authentic way, like that's amazing. And the technology can do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And the other part that's true is you buy up rental management companies at, you know, one times revenue and, and turn into a tech company that's worth, a lot more than that. There too. you go.
1: Do it. Is that what you're doing? <laughs> not
0: me, not me. That's what they're doing there. I'd successful. I'd
1: like to see a lot more diversity in our business, if I may.
0: <laughs> what do you mean by that?
1: Uh all of it. Yeah. I mean just that. More diversity of people. Yeah. More women. I oh, I was just in Toronto. I have you toured the waterworks building? Residence, mixed use, food hall. Uh, there's a heritage component fantastic location in the city, kitty corner to the new Ace hotel. And, um, I went for a market update, like a urban nation market update to just figure out hear what's happening. And I know the gal that met through Diana, Eve Lewis, who is the developer of the property. And I was like, what a woman developed this? Like I've been in this for a long time and I have never experienced, like you can just tell I'm or I'm going to get emotional. I was so proud to walk through that place and spend time talking to her and asking questions. All developments are exciting, but this one just hit the heart. So different where I was like, holy shit, I've just never seen that. And I hope we do a lot more. And it, you know, I don't want to create a kid's table of like, this is where all the women are. You know, I don't like those things, but it's just not been my experience that it's tremendously diverse. It's, um, yeah. A lot of white guys at the top.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. It, I mean,
1: <laughs> Just to put it straight. <laughs> yeah,
0: it is what it is. Um, and it was worse. You know, it was, it yes. It started a certain way. Yeah. Um, and uh, it is changing. And yeah, is good. exciting.
1: It is exciting. And something. you know, I love that it's a mandate, you know, like it's mandated that diversity is important. It's a necessity. I hate that it's through tragedy or horrible things happening to specific communities for us to get here. Um, and I, I have tremendous respect for that, uh, but we're here. And I kind of just, am always, I'm of the mindset now, like you're either on board or you're not. What I'm not gonna do is spend an hour educating you on why diver- diversity is important, why equity inclusion is a priority, why ESG matters. You know, developers always used to say, environmental, no one pays for that stuff. Well, now their portfolios are mandated. So now you're playing catch up, right? So um, big pushes, big um, conversations to be had. And uh, I don't buy the line of like, oh, it's just, it's it's complicated, it's layered. Like, no, it's not. No, (laughs) it's not for me. It's clear cut. Let's get perspective, diversity of perspectives represent as many people as possible and um yeah just get it happening
0: well i think it's just good business yeah you know, it is. it's
1: relevant business yeah like it's relevancy are right? there
0: is is there any mandates around um women in in leadership roles or uh um that part of it because i haven't heard of it in my experience what i've seen i think it's just uh it's just smart you know the fact is that um there are many attributes that um women have that make them stronger leaders of course you know there's uh in many ways i think the world would be a different place if uh there were more female presidents so to speak and um you know there's just we in sort of like deep deep down we're fall back on our kind of lizard brains mm-hmm. and the male lizard brain it's a little bit effed up, honestly. It, <laughs> it goes back to like some really dark, dark times of like uh, you know, just like primitive type thoughts and behaviors and stuff. And uh and the female type of brain is um is much more balanced.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's binary either. You know, no I, I
1: know it's it's fluid, man. We're in a fluid. <laughs> we're in an yeah. era of being fluid. But um yeah, women I just uh you know, there's, there's, a, of course, it's beneficial to any organization to have women, you know, at the leadership table within the, of course, this is just like obvious. There's no case to be made. It just is what it is. I'd like to see diversity of backgrounds, you know, Um for the longest time, I was like in a boardroom and I'm either the only woman or I'm the only person of color. And we're debating ethnicities, you know, like, I remember once I had someone tell me, we're working on something in Port Moody and Port Moody is amazingly diverse. It's like fascinatingly diverse. I love it, it's so great. And uh, we're talking about, well, you know, we've seeing a lot of this cultural group and that cultural group and someone at the table is like, well, they're all Canadians. It's like, okay, yeah, cool. I don't know if they're all Canadians, but yeah, there are some cultural relevancies that we should be aware about. And he just would not have any of it. And I'm going, well, first and foremost, I identify as an Indian woman. Passport aside, I'm Indian. That's my foundation. That's my roots. That's, I spoke a different, you know, I'm born and raised here, but I was speaking Punjabi at home before I was speaking English on the street. And you can't take that from me. And there are certain things like I value family input, big decisions. Some cultural groups rely on like they take it to the family. Others don't. Don't do that, right? Which is totally fair, but we can all be Canadian and still be different in that way. Um, so you know, yeah, come to I'd Canada
0: like, through you know our different journeys, and yeah. uh, that's the lens through which we see the world, right? Totally. I was having lunch with uh, Sethi today, who's a you know prominent uh, East Indian developer, mm-hmm. and he and he is again, he was really raised in London, and and then came here. Um, but still sees the world through, through those eyes Mm -hmm. told me over lunch about, um, you know, the lessons his grandfather taught him, you know, back in the village before he was 12, before he moved and whatnot. Um, and it's good to understand because when you were finding buyers of homes and communities, understanding that, uh, in some cultures there's like a huge importance on, you know, there's an, you might know it, but there's an Indian expression which says own your own roof or something like that. He was saying, and, um. Understanding how important it is, is, is to understand why, and he was comparing a a project that he'd done uh, on Vancouver Island to a very sort of typical Canadian community, small town, and the difference in the type of buyers and what they were thinking compared with, you know, the type of buyers in Surrey and the priority of like South Asian buyers to, uh, you know, to take care of of the next generation and whatnot. Plus, the whole immigrant mindset is is really relevant to you know the condo business for sure because it's our business is predominantly supported by new immigration. <laughs> you know, the, the pre sale condo is just the easiest conduit into real estate uh, in terms of the lowest price point, easy, e- very easy to buy. Um, it's just hugely relevant, and to understand the the mentality of an immigrant who who abandons everything that they've built in their home country and leaves all of it huge personal sacrifice, risk of everything to start a better life, probably not for themselves, but more for their kids and future generations. Um, That ties in very much to like the long-term attitude towards buying real estate, which has served people so well and created so much wealth and so many new immigrant families. And I think people that are um, like, I'm fifth generation Canadian, I guess. Great, great grandpa moved here. on my dad's side and then my mom, she's an immigrant from New Zealand, but uh, you know, it's a different mentality. Some of the Asian and South Asian people that come here, they have uh, a huge priority on buying real estate to take care of their families. And, and over 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, it's turned into, you know, a massive amount of wealth.
1: Well, and the other interesting thing is um, if you look at Surrey as the market tradition, it's quite new to see Indian South Asians, participating in the multifamily purchases, right? Yeah, And that's due to, well, one affordability, can't afford the single family home, but also kids, like their kids are born and raised here. They want their kids to stay close. You know, you can go to university, but live in Surrey. They don't want them living in Vancouver, but that it's, it's a new buying power of the South Asian buying into the condo market. We haven't seen it traditionally. Holy. Um, the other thing I want to say though, as well is like, I often feel, I don't like it when we cater product to a specific cultural group. I feel like that's a misstep. In what way? I think a lot of times, well, uh, we design for Chinese buyer or we, you know, they like gold and they want green and so it's like, well, that's not true. There's a variety of, you know, we should be positioning product that is relevant to the location that it's at the market that it's intended to based on the price and who will live there. Right. Like if you're dealing with an investor, if you have a compelling product that the people are going to want to live there and it's going to be desirable, you've just solved your investor's problem, right? Like, is this going to be somewhere that people are drawn to or not? It doesn't have to be built to cater them to compel them to buy, you know, but being aware of these cultural Conversation like you probably have such an amazing lunch. That was probably such a great conversation to learn, you know, his backstory and what's important to him. You know, you're you're in sales. You get you got to align with the values, right? And as he's sharing these things, you, you're the banter goes, and we can do that on the sales floor without having to completely cater the product to that one buyer group.
0: Yeah, it was a good lunch. You know, I was learning about his. He was talking about his grandfather and. uh and he was so respected in the village, um, that everybody called him uncle,
1: mm-hmm. which is probably
0: something you're familiar with in the we community. We call
1: everybody auntie uncle. Yeah, <laughs> There's no first name addressing.
0: <laughs> yeah. If you look up to them, if they're older, mm-hmm. um, and he said that everybody called his, his grandpa, uncle, and even, uh, like the, the police commissioner. <laughs> um, and it's customary when, when greeting him to, uh, you know, touch the feet feet. or maybe if you're a pretty big deal, like the police commissioner, you might touch the knee Mm. or something like that. It seems crazy. So how does that that work? So So you would approach someone you really respect and you would bend down out of respect and touch their lower leg at some.
1: Yeah. It's just kind of like a, it's just just a a sign of respect.
0: Yeah. And it's just a touch. I mean, I
1: haven't done it really.
0: Yeah. It's old school. It's kind of, yeah,
1: I have a problem. I'm quite, I don't like authority, but, uh, but just kidding. (laughs) I'm just, no, but, you know, we're also the well, hugging. I, I hugging.
0: Think, yeah. I haven't seen it done. You know, I do a lot of business in the community and, uh, and I, I see, you know, gestures that maybe lend themselves towards that kind of thing, mm-hmm. but uh, I haven't actually seen that.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so There's a lot, most, most cultures, I don't even want to say Asian because I think about Italian or it's just like respect is yeah. everything. Yeah, totally. You know? And that comes with its problems too, because sometimes it's like, well, I'm just supposed to respect this person because they're older than me. Like he's a total Yahoo, you know, <laughs> he yeah. get my respect, but culturally, yes, you know, yeah. yes you do. So,
0: yeah. yeah. The South Asian culture is very, very exciting. The community is so powerful.
1: Yeah. I love Vancouver, it.
0: Um, there's so much more wealth in it than most people, I think the, the average person knows about. Um, I love the story, the, you know, of the typical immigrant from India that comes, you know, it's typically... Uh, you know, in the classic sort of family dynamic, there's the dad who's working two jobs, probably, you know, driving a truck and, and doing hard labor in the day, like just crazy stuff. And for years on end, and then eventually after typically like seven years buying a piece of real estate, um, and then another one and another one. And then again, over the long term, just, just building this incredible amount of wealth, sometimes farmland that becomes more valuable. Mm. It's, uh. It's an awesome so story. I
1: had, um, I worked with Mark Belling at Fifth Ave, which was like the best school you could ever go to. I learned so much. I'm forever grateful for that experience and, uh, lots of, uh, Indian developers. I loved it. That's the best experience of my career because you look at these people that were like, started framing right? Started framing. From framing, they started uh, doing their own single family. From single family, they went to townhome. Townhome, they went to multi, multi. And they're fully operational. Like they're, they're fully integrated. They do their own construction. It's like a one or two person operation. You know, we're looking at plans from a trunk of a building or like walking the dirt with plans in our hands. And like, they just figure it out, you know, and they're competing with top tier developers. And think what like the difference in overhead right so like a company downtown versus a two or three person shop competing on the, in the same market that developer that's just kind of working a well, lot leaner can add more to the development to to compete and they just i just found them to be so smart so nimble so quick to shift and pivot and just like fully dialed on what's happening in the market i'm just i love it i love it that kind of boots on the ground self-taught you know i didn't go to school for any of this stuff i've learned along the way and i just love those environments where no one's a know it all you know we're all just like serving the dirt and in service of the people and that um is is it's like top of mind you know i just love it
0: that's pretty cool and and a lot uh a lot of those smaller sort of wood frame developers or are- mm. Are like that, but also now some bigger ones. You know, like Allure is a huge developer now in Surrey, and they have a huge construction company which builds all West Bank stuff. And he started as a drywaller, love it. And uh, that's then, the immigrant
1: dream, isn't yeah, it?
0: Yeah, then started um, as their his a tile setter, and now you know doing huge multi tower projects and stuff. It's uh, it's amazing.
1: Yes, drywaller.
0: It's one of the things I love about this industry, is. Um, the sort of not rags to riches story, but just it's it's wild in terms of what can be accomplished, mm. and the scale is so huge. It's so it's so fun.
1: Well, and even you know, you anyone's backstory is like they came here from some you know most of the Italian developers they in hammers on a construction site, and you know from there it, it goes, it goes, it goes, and it grows, and you know they just they grow into these amazingly important contributors of urban planning and urban development and there's room for so many of them i just hope the quality stays and people make smart decisions and we don't mess up our cities
0: yeah some of those <laughs> <laughs> some of those companies are very exciting too it's cool to see what the second generation does with oh them. yeah you know it's it's fun to watch um you know the the new kind of leadership take over and see totally. what they
1: do yeah i'm talking to a few of them and it's um my question is always like so like what kind of leader are you? You know, because we had, like, we saw what we grew up with, which was kind of like lead by fear or top down. Right. And now we're in like, Oh my God, we can talk about our feelings. Like, wow. Thanks. Gen Zers. Like you just changed the game on us. And now it is about feeling and heart and support and empathy and critical thinking and inspiring and motivating and, being a leader that is open about your own journey. I was just talking to someone about this. Like people are so afraid to mess up or have a misstep that they need to hear from people that have have made mistakes along the way and own it and be like, man, that was the best thing that ever happened to me at the time. It seems like it's, you know, there couldn't be anything worse, but there's no mistake or failure air quote that doesn't, lead to some sort of growth or lesson or yeah totally right yeah, like tell, the leadership is changing it just needs to and tell just, me one of
0: your mistakes <sighs> <laughs> Does,
1: so many.
0: do you what happens when i say that do you feel like a, a wave no, of emotional roll- no or? no
1: i'm like or do you have a story I ready it.
0: i love these stories hmm. when did you just want to hit the rewind button so bad
1: uh april 2022 i stopped working and Have been off since, I took about eight months off.
0: Whoa! Yeah. Why?
1: I um. Again, like I said when we started, I had no plan. I I'm a I'm a strategic thinker, and I just went on a hope and a whim and was like, "Fuck it, let's see what happens." There's work or there's no work. I don't know. So for three years, I did have work i made more money each year. Cause I never wanted to be like, I left a security of a job. Like there's no way you can make less. You have to continue. I'm, a, I'm an ambitious person. Right? So, okay. Check, check. And uh, I remember when I first started, Diana was actually the first one is like, you need a brand, you need a company. You have to have it like get out there. And I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Like, I don't, I don't want to be pressured to put some BS out there that isn't. So anyway, Uh, i was going to europe in april and got through the pandemic which was like wow you know we did it launched some projects uh, they did really well and then i was just like i need time to think like i just need to process what has happened where we are and i want to level up i want to level up my game i want to get into rooms i haven't been in before i'm not going to get into those rooms thinking the same way i've been thinking doing the same thing i've been doing and just head down grind 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 like this Flip and grind culture is like, Argh. sometimes it's just it's just too much, you know? Um, and I've worked since I've been 14 years old. I've been working, like I've always worked. I've never known anything other than having to work. And I think when I looked at myself as an individual, I saw all my value was in my work, but I didn't necessarily have see the value as an individual, you know, that it's, I'm just a product of the work. The work defines me and um, that's not a healthy place to be because I want to be a fully formed functioning human that has more to offer than just my work. But that's, I put that on myself. So I just stopped. I traveled. I went to Europe twice. I, you know, took long extended breaks. I did a lot of meditating. I did a lot of yoga, cut out liquor. Just, I just wanted to know how I can evolve independently on my own to like reapproach this world of work that we do.
0: Did, was there any event that happened in April 22 that this 22 that said, this is it, I'm done.
1: Honestly, I just wrapped up contracts, yep. had some success. Like we had success launches were good. Everything was done. And I wasn't, I think subconsciously I knew that I was moving toward, I didn't line up any new business. I wasn't biz devving. I was just kind of like, I got through that like pandemic. If anyone asked, I was thriving. Okay. First of all, uh, respect and understanding that people were sick. There was a lot going on. I I had the best time ever. No obligations. I could be at home. I don't have to go anywhere. I don't, you know, I was busy. I went to London, worked there for a while. I was like, Traveling legally. Don't anyone come for me. But I was on planes moving around just to see like what is happening in the world. And uh, I just was going to Europe and going for a 60th birthday in Paris and was just like, I'm not, I'm not pursuing. I just need to figure this stuff out. Best thing I ever did.
0: Yeah. But why do you, I was asking about like a big mistake you made? Oh, <laughs> why? That doesn't sound like a mistake. That sounds like the best thing you ever did. But what, what is something? I
1: think at the time though, I was punishing myself. I was really hard on myself the whole way through because it's like, what I should be working. It's, it's the default. Again, my value, right? Like I, yeah. I place my value on your work, the work. So, I was punishing myself while I was doing exactly what I intended to do. I was completely conflicted. That takes about three months just to let that go. Yeah. Um, Mistakes, I think I learned the art of persuasion maybe a little bit later. Um, I am naturally an assertive, direct person. uh, And I think knowing when to temper that uh, is smart sometimes you need to have patience and give people time, especially to me, what is so obvious, like, well, it's obvious we need to do X, Y, Z. And then I just push that. It's so obvious. So you're an idiot for not knowing it. And it's like, that isn't the way to influence people trying to think whatever a blatant, I mean, I just feel like I, uh, I just kind of went where the opportunities were. I didn't really think about it too much.
0: About yourself. I
1: thought that I should like, it's like, you know, you're a manager and then you're a director and then you're a vice president and then you're an SVP and an EVP and the, blah, blah, blah. that did not, I'm not, it was not drawn to that corporate yeah. climb at all. But I thought that was something wrong with me because everyone that I saw was doing that. And I don't want to do that.
0: What would you say to the the, the great young future female leaders in our industry that are the up and comers, any advice to share?
1: Yeah. The same advice Jay Z gave me is be yourself always authentically in every room you enter. I think that can be hard. I think that there's this impression that you need to be a certain way in order to be successful in business. And I think that can often be counterintuitive to one's own personality and behavior. Um, to women, I always say, don't think that it's important to have a voice, but have your own voice. Like, don't feel like you have to be one of the guys. There's nothing sad, like, more sad than seeing a group of women that feel like they have to be with the guys, one of the boys, to kind of get the street cred or the the respect that they want. I understand that that's probably a reality, but I hope women don't feel that. I hope that they can. Uh, feel good in who they are as an individual and just bring yourself to the table. Like we need that perspective, you know, um, or you have to be a bitch to get ahead. I hate that. There's nothing. I mean, if you just naturally are, that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> Being yourself. You be you girl, you be you. But I, I think that people do feel that they have to be a way that is outside their authentic self in order to be heard or to be taken seriously. Yeah.
0: Who do you admire in our industry?
1: So many people, mostly my friends, (laughs) your sister. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I admire. Um, I admire a lot. Let's see should we run through the, Oh my God, I'm going to leave someone out.
0: Yeah. You got to keep it short. Otherwise the people that are, uh, I know will feel really bad if there's 25 people on it.
1: I admire my good friend, Elva Kim shout out to Elva. She is killing it at Anthem and, um, I'm so proud of her and I'm so eternally grateful for her friendship It's cool when you like, now it's almost like you grow up with people, you know, like if you've known someone since like early 08 or 07, like we've all kind of grown up together and there's such a, it's such a tight, I mean, you guys talked about this with um, Patty too, that it's such a tight knit community, um, which is amazing, but it's like those relationships when you form them early on, like you really do this ride together and everyone goes in different directions, which I love. Like there's so much room to move around in this business and like lean into things you're interested in because you're learning on the job. Don't worry if you didn't go to school for it. Like I didn't go to school for any of this and I'm here. So, and I'm really good at what I do, I think, but you know, just lean in and yeah, I have There's just, I have ton of respect for a lot of people.
0: Yeah. I do too. It's, it's like the, the people you mentioned are women. And, um, I wonder if like the, the boys club thing is over. I wonder if it's even a thing. I think if I asked, you know, Nick or Cassidy to pull, um, to look at our company's roster, I would guess that our company, the majority are women. Um, maybe 60%. I don't know. 65. Yeah.
1: Who runs the world? Girls.
0: (laughs) I think it's changing. And I think the sales and marketing side of things slants, Mm -hmm. uh, perhaps, I don't know, for whatever reason. Yeah.
1: I'd like to see more men on the marketing side of things.
0: Yeah. Interesting.
1: Yeah. I think that just, just even it out, you know, like just, um, yeah. Real estate marketing is an interesting thing. (laughs) I feel like there's a lot of amazing project managers, like people who know how to coordinate things that are marketers. Uh, and again, listen, I didn't, I am I'm fluking and all, you know, I, I've learned on the job. So, but I inherently have, uh, you know, you can have a 30,000 feet view of like cultural shifts and what's happening. And, you know, if you have teenager kids, I'm likely listening to the same music as your teenagers, you know, like just having a finger on the pulse or like knowing what's happening. Um, real estate marketing can be a little like cringe.
0: What, the, the content that we put out? Yeah,
1: the content, the way things are positioned. It's just, when you look at like great brands that you admire and you're like on the gram looking at, you're not doing that with real estate, which is why not?
0: <laughs> you know why? I, and I, I agree with you. And it is, a lot of it is pretty cringy. And we yeah. have some laughs about it. Um, I know like leading developers in the city that will like, smash the table if they hear live, work, play one more time. So all (laughs) the cliches and stuff and some of it's really, really bad. Um, And I guess it's done because it worked last time Mm -hmm. and there's this sort of like, you know, play it safe type of attitude towards the marketing. Uh, Being really bold, um, you know, is something that can be proposed. But at the end of the day, you know, the safer option is probably the one that's going to be chosen by the developer. I think that's probably the reason.
1: Yeah. I mean, the you know, hey, the great thing about the time that we're in now is that there's research data, you know, quick, you know, like you can go to a major, you can have data like every six months or a year. And I like watching that every year since 2019, just to see what the changes are. So a lot of times I I back everything up with data, numbers, this is not my personal opinion. I actually don't want your personal opinion of like, whether we need to have X or Y in the property. I want to know, like, what is, what are people buying, like actually paying for? And we have all that information that we can bring to the table. So if being bold is scary, I will show you how being bold has won the sale or outperformed a project that was trying to be all things to all people. Right? So then it's like, okay, so isn't it more beneficial to be bold if you know that you can see the numbers that support that as a benefit?
0: It is. So why does so many bold and creative ideas die on the vine?
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: Maybe the reason, one of the reasons is that the uh, creative agencies that are hired for mm-hmm. these projects, um, you know, they're in the business of kind of selling their time. You know, they have a fixed rate contract and they, they put together three options and, uh, if they spend a lot of time and energy trying to be creative and do something really out there really bold uh and it's very very likely to not be accepted because it's so bold and perhaps never been seen before you know which are what some of the most bold or in- inventive things are um what a waste of time if that's just not going to be accepted so they yeah. probably just sort of lean towards the fat part of the curve of acceptance mm-hmm. of of likelihood of acceptance and the other part of it you touched on was the, the marketing teams that run these projects for d- and development companies and development marketing companies like ours. Um, they have a thousand balls in the air to juggle. hundred percent. Yeah.
1: Well, you need a strong, you need to be able to manage all, like that's so yeah. much going on. I get it.
0: Yeah. yeah. So then for this person to be juggling a thousand balls to make sure that nothing gets missed, that's going to delay the launch of the project potentially. Um, and on top of all of that, you ask them to be really super creative and think outside the box. It's a big ask.
1: I I empathize with that for sure. That's actually I I, I often fly like I will kind of parachute in for that part. But that boldness needs to be owned by the developer. You can't you have to mandate that. You have to really believe it internally as a team, as a group between development, interior, marketing, sale, like really rally around it, come together around that idea because then your creative agency, like they, they're all, they're great. Like we have such great, you know, they've been working in real estate, they get the business, they're not foreign to it. um, But they don't get to flex their uh, creative muscles, because again, they just don't know if it's going to be accepted or not. That should be mandated by the developer, right? Like this is the boldness that we're looking to achieve. This is how we want to create some disruption in the market. This is the voice we want to have. This is who we're talking to. This is like an example of things that have been done, other parts of the world that we're drawn to go for it. Right? So now they have a bit of a, they have an idea, they've been given some information and they can, bring their best ideas to the table and they're empowered to do so i think it's that well we hope they like it maybe they will maybe they won't that's not fair to your partners or the consultants like they're spinning their wheels only to go we want to name it the morgan on the creek and you know we're done here
0: <laughs> the other contributing factor too is that everyone thinks that real estate developers are huge risk takers, um, because, you know, the projects are huge and, uh, seem very daunting and they are when they buy the land. Mm -hmm. Um, but every decision after that is pretty much averting risk or minimizing risk. Everything, every decision is about trying to get some, take some risk off the table Mm -hmm. because they have taken so much at the start. So in terms of time, like their mindset for the majority of the time of a project is, uh, is just delivering a return to the shareholders, whether yeah. it's themselves or their equity investors or or the construction lender, who is a very risk adverse, you know, top tier bank probably, um, you know, that's uh, that makes it tough to, to get wild.
1: I mean, creativity doesn't have to be wild either. You know, when I was in London, the one thing I noticed when I was walking around, there's so much development there. If you've been there lately, it's like, how are they developing so much? every hoarding, right? It's not like starting at 7 to three bedrooms and like a cheese ball photo of someone doing something like walking a dog. It is, this is our purpose. This is why this place is here. This is our intent. This is what we're doing with like some sort of contact information to drive you somewhere. But it is a statement, right? A statement of place, a statement of promise and it looks beautiful on the street. And it's like, wow, that's so different, you know, for us. That's like, you know, I think one of them was just a a quote from Martin Luther King, very appropriate, very timely. That's like good, it's a good thing to do. You know, Um, that type of creativity or boldness is not risky. It doesn't have to be wacky or wackadoodle where it's like, we're going to get 3000 unqualified people in a room to like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's still, has to be thoughtful and align with the overall effort, but there's a lot of room for distinction.
0: Yeah. That kind of thing appeals to like when you understand the millennial buyer and their sense of purpose and their, in what guides their buying decisions um, that, that attracts that kind of buyer. You know, it sounds like with a Martin Luther King quote or uh, some bold clear statement about why this project is here and the impact it's going to have on the community that sounds like it's going to resonate with that target
1: yeah great. or you know just a even a timeline instead of like both the land zoning like just but hey this is what this place was historically and you can like as you're walking you're taking in this like you know walking slideshow of history and context and what the vision is. And it's like, well, that's nice. You know, I don't, I don't think that's just, that's not a generational thing. That's a value thing. You know, I align with the millennial that is wanting, you know, the uh, aligns with that to me, that resonates to me too. So it's just a value thing. It's not an age thing.
0: Yeah, no, it's just one characteristic that's been associated with that group, but mm-hmm. certainly anyone could have it and more people should. And And you definitely do. Cause you're young at heart.
1: (laughs) Hey, Age ain't nothing but a number. It's that perfect age of like old enough to know better, but like, no.
0: (laughs) It's a sweet spot.
1: I'm not trying to be old. Yeah.
0: And you're enjoying it.
1: I love it. Yeah. I love it.
0: Congrats on your new setup, your new offering to the industry. It's appreciated. Tell everyone uh, how to find you again, your website or whatever's the best. Yeah.
1: website is junction-co.com. Hit me up. Um, Instagram is, I don't know, it's all on the website, junction-co.com.
0: That's a good start. Yeah. So nice seeing you.
1: So good to see you. Thank you for your time and thanks for the conversation. Thank you guys.
0: It was fun. Thanks.
1: Yeah. Yeah.